0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. Super glad that you all are here, too. We are headed into the tail end of our Grow series this week. This is where we are examining spiritual practices that can help you connect to God and follow Jesus for the long haul. This week, we're going to talk about a topic that I recently wound up preaching about, and hopefully this week, we will learn something new. Hopefully God will use our time together today to bring you a new kind of freedom and a new experience of God's love in your everyday day-to-day life. The topic for today is Sabbath, which biblically speaking means taking 24 consecutive hours away from work every week. And we're going to start the message today with something I pretty rarely do. We're going to start with a short video. So uh, this week we started our new Wednesday Nights at River Heights activity. This is where we have Wednesday life groups with child care and youth group happening on site from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. And each week we're watching videos from the Bible Project for a life group called What the Bible. And the Bible Project is really good at theologically rich. They have really educated scholarship going into these videos, theologically rich, short videos that help us connect to the whole story of the Bible. And so this week we're going to watch one that is about Sabbath, and it's my hope that you'll check out The Bible Project on your own, either on YouTube, where it's available for free, or by joining us on Wednesdays at What the Bible. So let's check out What the Bible Project has to say.
1: The number seven is a big
2: deal in the Bible.
1: Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that is something we all long for but do not often experience.
2: Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest.
1: Yes, now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish.
2: And this happens over the course of six days.
1: Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it does not appear on day seven. It is like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures including humans who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They are exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh-day rest. So, he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They are in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who is grinding them into the dust. So, God confronts Egypt and He liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the Promised Land.
2: Now, while they are on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness.
1: It is easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They are not in the land of rest yet. But while they are on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they are in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there is more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there is even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then, every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest, called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the
2: Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it is all pointing towards the hope of future rest.
1: Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They are exiled
2: and enslaved again by an oppressive nation led back into a world of chaos and disorder.
1: But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come. But generations go by and they are still waiting. It is at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears. And he launches his public
2: mission on a Sabbath day.
1: Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection,
2: we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we are not there yet.
1: It's like we're still in the wilderness where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now. By following him, or in his words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.
0: These guys do such a good job of condensing the big picture stories of the Bible into something that we can understand and relate to. I'm going to go a little bit back over some of the story and highlight some points. So, since the first chapters of the Bible, the dawn of creation, humanity has been in a broken relationship with work and the world. Could I get an amen? Again and again through scripture, we see the results of this brokenness. People are ground down, people are oppressed, People work harder and harder and are often literally enslaved as their rulers try to get more and more work out of them. That's what happened to the Jewish people in Egypt before Israel existed as a nation. They were a people of slaves, and their job was to make bricks for the Egyptians. And then they became forced to make more and more bricks. And then they were forced to go gather the stuff that would make the bricks and keep on making more and more. And eventually it became too much. And God said, I'm going to rescue you. And God called Moses and Aaron as leaders to bring freedom to the people. And along the way, God did all kinds of miracles, parted the Red Sea, caused the people of Egypt to give them their gold and silver, and ultimately led them to the promised land. And along the way, God gave them what we now call the Ten Commandments, which are written out in a few places in Scripture. And I love to note... Every Christian I've ever heard of believes real faithfully in nine out of ten commandments. Do not murder people. Are we on board, people of God? All of us like the first, that command, not the first, that, that commandment, right? Worshiping anything other than God, above God, is no good. Are we on board? Yes, we are on board. All the commandments are actually about putting God first. Do not cover your neighbor's possessions. Because that gives your heart over to greed and envy and possessiveness. And God wants your heart for something better than that. Honor your father and mother. God knows how hard that is, but as we do, it does good things in us. But one of the commandments is so countercultural that even most Christians in the modern world have chosen to set it aside with the exception of Seventh-day Adventists and pockets of Christians who stay faithful to the Tenth Commandment on their own. The most ignored commandment, I believe, is from Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. This is that commandment. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do Any work, this includes you and your sons and daughters and your male and female servants and your livestock and any foreigners living in among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That's why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And so once per day, people who follow God are invited to rest, us and our households, Because that day is dedicated to God, who is the God of rests. God rests himself, and God invites us to rest. And I can't overstate to you how much this hits at the central idolatry of our and probably every age. Money, and production, and time used as money. Now, life actually used to include a lot of resting. I was reading some history and uh, came across a fact I thought super interesting and I find it super relevant today. I went and looked it up and chased it down and it's true. Peasants in feudal Europe. Does that sound like a good life to you? Serfs working as borderline slaves on the land? Those were hardworking people, right? They had 60 holy days a year in which they were not allowed to work. 60 holidays a year year. That's one per week plus eight more. I think of my grandparents' generation. My grandpas could outwork me. One of my grandpas moved cement from A to B with a wheelbarrow for 50 years. The other one was a painter and a veteran. Both of them had two days off every week, and they lived in a time where Sunday as a day of rest was culturally Normal. People have known throughout time that rest is necessary to human functioning. And unfortunately, a lot has changed. When I was a kid, there weren't sports on Sundays. Families were supposed to rest together. You couldn't buy alcohol on Sundays in Minnesota. Imagine the horror, people. And that was in honor of the Sabbath. And you know what people did back in the day? They left their work. At work because there was no internet and there were no cell phones to push work into your weekend and today I don't know very many people who are not busy most of the time work has seeped into all our spare time our culture no longer values a Sabbath and it's even worse on families no longer are Wednesdays and Sundays free of sports for church instead sports eat most of the calendar along with all the other activities under the Sun There's an organization called the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. There are 38 countries that are members of the OECD. Of them, the United States has the least vacation and holiday time in the whole world. As a matter of fact, the next worst country has twice as much vacation and holiday time as the United States. We Americans have become one of the worst countries in the world in terms of how much is expected from the average worker. At the core of constant busyness and work is the idea that we need to do more to get ahead because we don't have enough to stop. We have to do one more thing. We have to work one more hour, go to one more activity in order to have the good life. And this society of get more and get ahead produces leaders who take what's earned And even the hardest working people can no longer keep up with what's demanded of us, as happened to the Jewish people. And God knows constant desire for more, constant go, 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 is death to your soul. The greatest predictor of unhappiness of all the traits studied by psychology of happiness researchers is greed. When you are stuck in a hamster wheel, constantly doing everything you can, but never getting ahead, you are disconnected from something essential to your humanity, which is rest. Getting to just be. Spending time with your soul and with God and with people that you love. Ultimately, the Sabbath-free life becomes an idolatry. Idolatry is when we put something ahead of God, even if it's good. And just as we can do that with money, always wanting more and more, we can do that with time, always going further and further, harder and harder. We make ourselves constantly busy, constantly working on our list. We even choose hobbies and downtime activities that crowd God out of the rest of our lives. How much sleep have you lost to your phone or to Netflix? Anybody? God did not design you to be constantly busy and stressed out. God did design you to work, amen? God gave Adam and Eve work before the world was screwed up. Work is one of the good ways that we can change the world for the better. But you are not made for constant work. You are not made to go, 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 go. You're made for a cycle of work and rest that both connect us to God and give us a space to know God's love. And that cycle empowers us for healthy, good work that knows its rightful place in our hearts. Jesus speaks powerfully of God's desire for us to have rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my way upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble at heart, And you will find rest for your souls. For my way is easy and my burden is light. Those are the words of our Lord Jesus. And the rest is a part of the way of our Lord. And so how can we build rest into our lives when the world is telling us a hundred percent of the time you should be doing something right now? How can we come to Jesus when we're busy doing everything in the world? Well, God has planned a way for you to find that life, and it's right there in the Ten Commandments. One way for you to find and experience the rest of God is to practice the Sabbath. Now, I have shared before how I've practiced Sabbath in my own life, but it's easy to not hear stuff that's super countercultural. I was speaking about Sabbath to our pastoral interns and residents uh, just a week or two ago, and one of them was like, I was talking about Sabbath, he's like, you know, I know you recently spoke about this. I don't exactly remember what you said, but I think I'm starting to hear it now, right? It takes repetition sometimes. And so I'm just going to share again, Monday's my day off. On that day, I don't do anything that feels like work, except necessary things like picking up my kids from school. I can't be like, hey kids, it's Monday, it's walking time, right? <laughs> you know? And I love to grocery shop and cook for people, so that's what I do on Mondays. And every week, it is a gift. Every week, if I'm feeling busy and past my limits and like it's all piling up on me, all of us know that feeling. I know Monday is coming and I get a break. And then when that day comes, I know this is a gift from God. God's the reason I'm doing this. And so I receive it as a gift. And it feels really good. And over the years... All the times Monday's been a relief and a blessing and a gift have added up. And now I understand that God loves me in a powerful, concrete, practical way. And I know God's love more deeply because of the gift of my Sabbaths. Now, people told me for years it is impossible for a pastor. It is especially impossible for a vineyard pastor. And it is completely impossible for a River Heights vineyard pastor specifically to take a day off consistently, but I have prioritized it, and I have fought for it when I have needed to, and I've shared stories before of how I had to make major changes in order to make it work through the years, and it has worked. I have helped very many people start taking a Sabbath. One of the most common reasons leaders quit serving in a church is because of burnout. And Right now we have 70 leaders in this church, and we usually do. And so a lot of times leaders will meet with me or they'll send me an email or they'll let us know on their connection card, I am burned out, I am working all the time, I'm going to quit and I'm mad about it. And so I meet with them and I start with, so tell me about your schedule, what's it like? And then they go, you have no idea. And then I say, when's the last time that you had like a whole day off where you didn't do anything that felt like work? And they go, buh, I can't remember. I had a vacation last year. We went on a trip, maybe when I was in high school that one time. You don't understand. My life makes it impossible to take a day off, and so it can't happen. And time again, I or one of the other staff members who are also really good at this, because we have all started to do this. It took a lot of years to get the staff members on board. We help people in that situation. We go through their schedule. We take a look like, what does Sabbath look like for them? And time and again, it's a blessing to people. Over and over, it helps people stay in leadership for the long haul. Not everyone makes the changes needed. But for those who have, I have never seen or heard regret. I have seen zero leaders do the work of making a day off and then be like, I should go back to the old way. That was better. Like literally zero for all of them okay? So it might be hard for you to imagine accepting God's invitation to a full day of rest every week. I have three jobs right now. One is more than full-time. That's this one. I work a night a week at a local establishment to help get out of debt and to learn how to do the work. And I'm working on a research grant, studying a variety of churches. I got all this work to do. Believe me, you can do this, And you can do this because God has your best interests at heart. God wants to help you. Surprisingly enough, there's even social science research on this topic. Loma Linda University in 2014 found that, I quote, refraining from activities on Sabbath was associated with better mental health and better physical health. And there's a sect of Christians called Seventh-day Adventists. Seventh-day is in the name. They're very religious about taking the Sabbath and Seventh-day Adventists live four to ten years longer than everyone around them in every culture where they exist. How much is four to ten years of your life worth to you? That's more than smoking a pack a day, people. It's like God's desires for us actually are good for us. It's like God knows how we're made and then calls us into the way of life that helps us best relate to the world. And so I have a simple three-step process for you to start taking your own Sabbath. This is where you throw tomatoes at me because I said it's simple. And you know how wrong I am, don't you, right? Believe me, it's just this simple. Step one, pick a day. Look at your schedule. Figure out which one is easiest to imagine as a day of rest. It used to be that everybody was on board. I would love to have grown up Jewish where everyone in my community is taking the same day off every week. All my friends, all their parents, all of us just enjoying a day off together. Step two, move your work away from that day. If you have any regular work commitments on that day, move them to a different day. This is the hard part. But there is a way that you can pull this off. Step three, spend that day doing things you like to do and any absolutely necessary work. Jesus heals a guy on the Sabbath. And these religious leaders are so uptight about the Sabbath that they say, you're not allowed to do that. That's like work, and we don't work on the Sabbath around here. And Jesus goes, which of you, if an ox falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, leaves it there? An ox is 1,400 pounds. It's a lot of work to get an ox out of the ditch on a Sabbath, but you do the work anyway because you got to do it, okay? And so absolutely necessary work, fine, but most of what you are doing is not absolutely necessary on that day, right? I got asked after uh, first service, and I want to mention for those of you here in the second service, what if you're retired or not working? (coughs) I said, A, I don't know because I haven't done that yet. B, I think it would be good to press into the idea that you have a day set apart for God. What is a U-shaped way of dedicating a day to God? The person I was talking to, I said, maybe for you, it's finding a place to serve that's not digging ditches, but finding a place to serve that makes you feel good and blesses other people in God's name. And she said, that sounded great, blah, blah, blah. I also have an offer for every person in the room right now. Any of us on pastoral staff will meet with you to help you figure out how you can take a Sabbath. We will pray for you, we will ask God to help you, and we can go over your calendar with you, which we've done with lots of people. And so maybe you don't like me, maybe you wanna meet with Pastor Gay or Pastor Justin. I'm just offering you our time, because we care about you and we wanna see you set free. And so by all means, ask on your connection card. Hey, come help me out. I want to invite the worship team back up here. And I want to invite you to stand as you are able. Please stand. I got three tips for you to put the word of God into practice as we've received it this week. Something to read, pray, and do. Tip number one, read Mark 2, 23 to 28. This is about Jesus and his disciples. They're walking along and they pick grain because they're hungry. And the super religious types are like, you can't do that on the Sabbath. And here's what Jesus says. The Sabbath is made for people, not people made for the Sabbath. It's not a rule, it's a gift. It's not to oppress you or punish you or get you to fall behind, it's to empower you and bless you and let you know God's love. Tip number two, pray for a weekly day of rest and gratitude. So I'm less religious about my Sabbath than a lot of people. I don't, like, open my Bible and read 20 chapters or, like, force myself to do religious activities. To me, the thing that makes it a day dedicated to God is that it's filled with gratitude. And I know who the gratitude belongs to, right? It's a day of thank you, God, as well as a day of rest. Tip number three, start taking a Sabbath. You know, it's like going onto the diving board for the first time. If you haven't done it, you don't know what's going to happen down there right? You got a sense of fear. I'm very high up right now, but you know what? The water's warm and God loves you. And if you will just jump off the end, God's going to catch you. And you're going to be one of those people who never regrets the work that it took to make it happen. We're going to transition into worship and prayer right now. If you're on the prayer team, could we get a couple folks to come up and be willing to pray for people right now? Maybe someone on this side as well. Thank you Uh, we close our service of worship and prayer because that's the most important thing you get to do when we come together on a sunday Uh, we're going to do two songs together during which you can come up and receive prayer and you can offer yourself to god however god might move you to do so then we're going to have communion and we'll close with worshiping another song and the team will let us know when it's time to go i would like to lead us in that transition to prayer so god we're just grateful for every one of your gifts We're grateful that you keep on giving us good things. We're grateful for the gift of Christ and the gift of each other today. Thank you. And we also want to hear and understand and press into the gift of rest. We ask, God, that you would help us resist the voices of our culture, the voices of your spiritual enemy, the devil, that tell us, I got to go, 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 go. We ask that you would help us recognize that lie and let it go we ask that you would gift us with the capacity to rest, to take a whole day each week and just receive it as a gift from you that you've made for us, and to be blessed, and to know your love. I pray that you would set free those who are on a hamster wheel, God. Help us to never step on a hamster wheel again. Help us to live your life your way. Amen worship together. If you're visiting today, I'd love to meet you afterwards uh, by the entry area. God bless you, friends.
1: This first time-